Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today, we have an avalanche of legal decisions as Trump, Santos, and their Proud Boy co-conspirators are facing actual consequences. And we're at an inflection point with labor all over the country. And as the riders are on strike, Steve recorded voices from the picket line to hear why it's so important to stand up for workers in this moment. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. So we went uh, we went dark in solidarity with the writer strike last week, um, mm-hmm. and also uh, because we got overwhelmed with <laughs> with actual work and uh, and being out on the picket lines and travel mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So apologies to our listeners. I think in uh, this is episode one hundred and eighty six. I don't think uh, yeah. almost four years of doing this show. I don't think we've ever missed a week like that. So. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, apologies, but glad to be here. And uh, yeah, in solidarity, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for folks to hear from uh, people who are walking the picket lines. And, and if you haven't uh, been in a picket line, uh, the audio will kind of give you a feel of what it's like to be in the middle of it. So uh, I think that's going to be good for people to hear. I'm really glad you did that. It's a rare thing for us to get a glimpse of that when we're not actually able to go physically. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, you know, we're not a legal show, but man, the legal whoppers that have happened, (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, federal prosecutors have filed criminal charges against, uh, New York representative George Santos. So, you know, he looks like he, he may be, uh, facing some consequences for his actions. Of course, a few days ago, more proud boys were convicted of seditious conspiracy. I can't stress enough how difficult it is to prove seditious conspiracy and what a, a huge deal this is that more folks connected to the January 6th uh, attack have been convicted. Um, and as we're recording this right now, uh, Trump himself has been found guilty of sexual abuse, and uh, E. Jean Carroll was awarded $5 million in the defamation suit against him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I know we've all been watching these things and not having a ton of faith that anything was actually going to happen with regard to Trump. But it, it is really gratifying to see real consequences coming down. And I know that the right wing media and Trump and his right wing amplifier, they're going to try to say that, you know, try to say that this is completely wrong or completely whatever they're going to call it. But, but we all know that, right. Yeah. Yeah. But we all know that like, that's real. Like that's a real consequence, a $5 million settlement or not settlement, but he might have to take out another Russian loan to pay that too. Oh my God. I know. Does he even have $5 million? I don't know. Well, he does happen. because of the legal defense fund that uh, that his followers mm. have been, you know, sending money to. So, you know, just another right. reminder that everything he does is uh, foundationally a big grift. He is grifting money yep. from his followers. So, his slush fund. Yeah. Totally. 
Well, I feel like it's good for aging Carol. I mean, she must feel like she did the right thing and coming forward, which is always really difficult. Yeah. And she was really validated. Yeah. I think that's my favorite of all these news items. Although <laughs> the Santos, <laughs> I guess because it's actually really close to, you know, it's close to home. It's like what we wanted was consequences for Trump and his ridiculous actions. But um, the Santos one is kind of encouraging too. Like, we'll see what happens, but wow. Like, it's good to know that just completely wildly, wildly lying about who you are and what you've done as an elected official is still frowned upon in our nation today. Yeah, actual criminal charges against that. So, (laughs) you know, which is important because like, and not being flippant about it, um, we've seen such an erosion of norms. I mean, Trump really pushed the envelope on uh, what he could do that was you know, not necessarily illegal, but something that a president had never had the the gall or audacity to do before, just to really erode our norms. And and um, and so we we knew post Trump that we had to really work hard to codify a lot of these into law, so that um, the same kind of egregious grabs of power. Um, would not be tried again or, or couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's it's good to see, you know, uh, legal action here. And um, but, you know, so make me feel better here. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel fine. <laughs> but let me play devil's advocate and pretend that uh, I'm looking at all of this uh, legal stuff, you know, you know, and this is the tip of the iceberg for Trump. He's got more cases pending, you know. Um, yeah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, and now there was a poll that came out that shows Trump leading Biden right now in the polls and Biden's slipping yeah. approval numbers despite, you know, economic growth and job number growth and inflation going down and investment and yeah. all over the country from the Inflation Reduction Act and and Build Back Better. So um, so tell me why someone shouldn't be freaked out. If you've listened to me enough on this podcast, you know that I hate bullshit polls. But, you know, uh, I know. Let, let me know why we shouldn't be worried right now about that poll. Yeah, absolutely. I think that for me, when I see that it, it and I see the approval ratings as well, it's it's really a reflection of where Americans are. I mean, we know Americans are not happy about the direction of the country. We know that people don't think that it's going great in America right now. And, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, presidential approval rating made like mattered. Like, you know, maybe it, it could have some sort of predictive effect, but those days are just over. Americans are answering polls right now. It's a reflection on how they're feeling generally. So I, I would say that's what's happening with the, with the approval rating. It's, it's kind of a reflection on people's just general lack of trust in institutions. All of that has eroded. You just, you don't want to put too much stock in it because ultimately it's just, if you look at the the data of presidential approval ratings and presidents winning, it no longer has a real correlation. So just know that about the approval rating. I think with the poll, you know, it's very early, right? It's like the first inning of the, of the presidential game. So of course, you know, sometimes the first inning, you don't always love what happens, but it just isn't, I think the important thing to know 
is it is not a predictor of what could happen. It is actually almost has nothing to do with Democrats' chances of winning in 2024. Because at the end of the day, what we have seen, regardless of how an American voter might answer a poll, especially, you know, this far out from the election, when they are faced with a choice between Biden and Democrats and people who want to move us forward and these extreme MAGA Republicans who just want to take us backwards, they have been rejecting MAGA every time. So there's nothing fundamental about that about that that's going to change, right? Looking ahead to 2024, you could almost ignore every poll, really, even though I know we say that all the time. You could almost ignore every poll because you should look at what actually voters have done in their behavior. And we have so many different examples to point to that shows that they're rejecting this MAGA extremism. And so I think at the end of the day, that that is what will happen. Yeah, I think so, too. We have a long road ahead of us. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, the media just loves grabbing onto these numbers. And if they get a poll, no, I know. There was you know, a ton of stories about it. Yeah, it was crazy how many stories there were about it yesterday. This poll was also very skewed. If you it was one of those polls where you actually dive in and look at who they talk to. It was only a thousand people. Wasn't mm-hmm. that's not a very big sample. And. It, it was skewed toward Republicans and Republican-leaning independents. And so it, it was also not a great poll from a um, sort of staff standpoint. But you're absolutely right. There was a New York Times story. There were several other papers running stories about it. And it does feed this doom loop that I am on a mission to tell people, yes. <laughs> to remind people yes. we cannot let ourselves fall into this. Activists, donors, anyone who's going to be in this election we, we can't let that affect our mood. And we have to just remember what the voters have done, how they have spoken, the margin of effort. We got to keep getting out there and talking to people. Mm-hmm. And we just got to keep doing that. You know, I'm going to keep doing this speech like every few weeks. Maybe well, months. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, that's what we need to do. And, um, you know, unfortunately, media has not learned their lesson and they're not going to. It's just um, they, they yeah. can't they can't help but feed that doom loop because um, that's what sells soap, as they say. So, um, yes. so, you know, it is up to us and we say this all the time on our show. It is up to us to spread the narrative in our circles of, you know, what Democrats have delivered and um so so ditto is what i'm saying thank you steve i think the other thing i would say is that it's very asymmetric what's been going on with biden um way to win is gonna release a report later this week so i'm not gonna scoop it but uh around looking at the you could you could give us a scoop (laughs) (laughs) i know um No, but we're releasing a report um, on a study that we did of the television advertising in 2022. And it is interesting to see just how much the Republicans focus on Biden in terms of their attacks and how little, you know, on our side, anyone actually defends Biden or talks about the things Biden has done or, you know, actually defends the the amazing economic progress that Biden has accomplished. So. It's it's been a very lopsided attack. So when I saw that poll, where it was like people don't think Biden is mentally, um, you know, with it. 
that is the attack that has been in hundreds of millions of dollars of TV ads pounding all these places mm, for yeah. years. So it's just, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I don't know that it's totally true. I think it's a reflection, like I said, not only of how Americans just are not feeling great about America right now, but also the it's a reflection of the right wing media noise machine and how much they have really focused on this line of attack. Okay. So we know what to do. We know uh, what our, our work is in terms of messaging to our friends and neighbors and those in our circle. Um, let's talk about this week's to-do list beyond that. And mm-hmm. I'll say right now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we have an audio package coming up with some interviews uh, from some folks who are on the picket lines day one of the WGA strike here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, we're really at an inflection point for labor. Uh, It's been going on for the last few years, but we see, um, you know, like the organizing around Starbucks and and then Starbucks systematically closing the stores that uh, organized. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see the um, Amazon workers who have fought to unionize uh, warehouses and the pushback from Amazon. Um, We are, are seeing... Workers be marginalized, taken advantage of. We are at a, a historic uh, level of inequality in our country, and um, and those corporations they are union busting. They are trying their best to um, uh, take advantage of workers, and they're not sharing the profit. And so, uh, right now here in LA, we've got a, a lot of actions going on because the writers are on strike and. Um, other unions are all supporting them and joining the picket lines. If you're a member of a union or even if you just support unions, uh, your job this week is to join a picket line and to stand in solidarity with workers who are fighting for fair wages. Um, fundamentally, I'll talk about this for uh, when we get to our reason for hope. Um, it's incredible to see people coming together and fighting for workers. And and I think the tide is going to turn. I, I think we will ultimately prevail, but it's going to take all mm-hmm. of us, union members standing alongside their, their fellow union members from other unions and folks who aren't in unions to, uh, to join us. So um, mm-hmm. your, your job this week, join a picket line. I'm excited. I get to uh, complete the to-do list because my kids' teachers are on strike. Oakland Unified School District teachers are on strike. They have been for the last several days. Um, And it's been amazing to be able to take Marco down to the picket line. It's been a really joyful, joyful time with DJs and music and food and the community really coming together to support our teachers who deserve a pay raise and a whole bunch of other things that they're asking for. So, um, We'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to share with kids too. Who deserves a pay raise more than teachers? You know, it's so, <laughs> I mean, it's really a no brainer. And, um, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I always like and to- And safety. And safety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the the and mental health resources, uh, you know, mm-hmm. both help in school for kids, but also for themselves. I mean, they're saddled mm-hmm. with way too much of a burden and the pandemic has made it so much worse. A budget is a statement of your values. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, let's take care of our teachers. Uh, that yeah. should be fundamental because they're taking care Absolutely. of our kids. Yeah, so that's our reason for hope, right? This amazing 
moment for worker organizing. I think it really is starting to take off. I mean, you've talked about all the different places we've seen it. And I, I mean, with Amazon as well, I mean, it really has been something that is building in the country and is very welcome in my opinion. I think it's very hopeful. Yeah, it's very hopeful. Um, and what I alluded to that has been, you know, filling my heart up, my organizer heart up with joy is watching all these different kinds of folks uh, organizing together from uh, different groups. Like so often we always talk about how we're siloed into our own groups. And I've really seen us all coming together and, and building those coalitions and standing up for workers, you know, standing up for our rights and and our freedoms and, um, you know, fair wages. So uh, that gives me a lot of hope to see us. Like we, you know, personally, I lived through the previous writer's strike 15 years ago, and uh, it was very challenging. Um, I'm seeing so much more participation in this one. Like there was a lot of participation in the last one, but I'm seeing so many folks out on the picket lines coming together uh, and amplifying this one. So, um you know, right. we won't let them bust us. We gotta, we gotta keep doing it. And it brings me hope. Yay! I'm so excited to hear your report from the picket line. I'm here on day one of the writers' strike uh, at Radford Studios, which is about to undergo a. Uh, roughly $2 billion expansion for all of the work that's coming and uh, to accommodate all the streaming shows. But writers are on strike because uh, they are not currently participating in the profits that come from their ideas and their work. So uh, I'm here with Alex. Alex. And uh, Alex, uh, tell me about yourself and, and what brought you out here today to strike. Yeah. So uh, I've been a guild member for seven years. I've uh, written on shows, I've sold shows, um, and over the last couple of years, uh, me and everyone on every different level has sort of seen their wages go down. I've, you know, been sucked into the whole mini room thing where, you know, they spend seven weeks getting your best ideas, paying you scale, less than you were making before, not giving you credit, and then sort of kicking you to the curb. What's the mini room? So yeah, the mini room, it, it started out as a positive thing, as a sales tool where a, a, you know, a show hadn't gotten picked up yet. So they would put together a mini room in order to, you know, spend five weeks uh, getting some ideas together, getting maybe a couple backup scripts and an outline for the season. Then it became for a regular show, they do a mini room, which is, you know, 10 episodes. You go in first couple weeks, you're breaking story. Then you get your episode, go home, quickly write it turn it in and then you're gone and the showrunner will do rewrites and manage set and all that. I've been on shows where we were on staff for 36 weeks and you get a fantastic product that way. 20 weeks, you get a great product that way. Seven weeks is, is pushing it. And we sort of participate because we need to hit our health insurance minimums. But as you can see, it's sort of reached a breaking point where enough is enough. And speaking of health insurance and all the other jobs that, uh, you know, the entertainment industry, you can't kick a pebble without hitting someone who uh, has some benefit from the entertainment industry. Personally, uh, as a SAG-AFTRA member, uh, it's likely we will lose our health uh, benefits if this strike goes on uh, anywhere near as long as the last one did, which we lived through. 
Um, so what are your hopes for a negotiation? What are you thinking right now? What's well, your first point? I mean, that's that's why this isn't something that's done lightly. It's it impacts everyone. You know, my girlfriend is an IATSE member. She could lose her job. People at studios could lose their job. Um, but I feel a strong sense of solidarity with, with everyone coming together because um, we're obviously not the only ones suffering unfair labor practices. You have set painters that are driving Ubers on the weekend because they don't make enough, even though they're pulling 60 plus hour um, uh, work weeks. So, yeah, my hopes are that withdrawing our labor will demonstrate how necessary we are and will really hit the studios where it hurts. They're not in great financial shape right now, um, given the, you know, the stock bubble bursting, the entertainment stock bubble in particular bursting. Um, so we're hoping they're going to feel some pain and they'll bring that pain to the negotiating table. Pencils down on strike. Pencils down on strike. Pencils down. So I'm here with Dan and Celeste. All right, Dan and Celeste, what are your primary concerns and how are you feeling about the fact that you have to be out here striking right now? I'll go with you first. Um, I think, well, I mean, right now, concern, I think, was just seeing how unresponsive the studios were to anything that the Guild was asking for. Like, I thought we'd be a lot closer to coming to some sort of agreement and just like how quickly last night they told us we were striking and then seeing the responses today, I think I was a little surprised. Um, so I guess just hoping this, I don't know how long this is gonna go on, but definitely like, I mean, I'm here for the long haul, but I, I think we have some valid concerns that I think need to be addressed and we're not gonna stop until they are. What's top of mind for you? Uh, what's top of the mind is that no one particularly was like saber rattling and wanting a strike uh, this time around. I, I was a production assistant during the 07-08 strike um, and it was a very different kind of environment back then in terms of uh, folks' willingness to strike. This time, everyone, that's still fresh in everyone's memory, and this time around, folks were like, look, we don't want to have to strike, but we will if we must, and that's what it came down to. You know, We tried to negotiate right up until the wire, and it didn't go as planned, so uh, we're doing what unions do best, and we're showing up, we're all here. Um, you know, it's it's it's. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about everyone in the same industry as you, who is doing this out of love. And we, uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of fair compensation for doing this thing that we love and and uh, and bringing it to to everybody. It's we 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 don't do this for the applause, but uh, it's nice to know that there are people who enjoy the products that we do make, and we want to continue doing that. They're essential, and this business is essential to the state of California and especially to our city here in Los Angeles uh, and brings so much, and we saw the impact of the last strike. I lived through it myself, um, and that lasted 100 days, uh, which was very painful and very damaging to everyone involved, including the local economy. Um, you know, there's a, a huge economic benefit to keeping these jobs strong, to supporting our workers in these jobs, but even if there wasn't, even if it was just for the sake of art, when you look at where we are as a country, the first thing that fascists come for is the artists because we are the truth tellers. We are the ones that give people windows into another way of thinking, another culture, another community. So, you know, we, the last one lasted 100 days. You know, you all have been attuned to 
I guess, not much movement in the negotiating, but what are your hopes for, for this? What, what kind of resolution do you think we'll see uh, near term or, or what are you thinking? Um, well, I hope it's near term. Um, I, I don't know that it, I don't know that it will be, but, um, I mean, just like the not willing to budge on some of the key things, like having minimum requirements for how long a job lasts and just like a sense of some sort of job security. Um, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I've spent, this is, I was just finally staffed on a show. So it was my first time being staffed, but I spent so long doing the gig economy as support staff on these shows and it sucks it's not great and like finally we were able to unionize with IATSE for that and that has helped but even so like just like not knowing where your next job is is horrible and it happens from show to show no matter what but to like then finally get on a show and you you might be there for a week you might you know like it's there needs to be minimums for stuff like that so I'm, I'm hoping Something like that gets solved and they come around because, I mean, they just didn't, they didn't want to give anything on that. And it's just, it's silly. Like, we all need to work and especially in Los Angeles, like, the cost of rent, the cost of living, it's crazy. Like, people, I feel like people have this perception of writers that is, like, we're all making millions of dollars. And it's just not true. Like, so many people are living paycheck to paycheck and just trying to pay their rent. And it's crazy that we can't even be, like, secured a job for a certain amount of weeks. Honestly, uh, no one wants a long strike from our side of the table, from the other side of the table, from the uh, the audience's perspective, because uh, a long strike will lead to economic hardship for everyone. But also on top of that, though, um, most folks don't realize just how long production does take, and it all does start with something being written. It doesn't matter what it is. And you, you saw the same thing uh, in the years after the 08 strike, where uh, there was a lot of, you know, not to, uh, I'm, I'm not disparaging anything, but there were a lot of uh, big, uh, yeah, but also like, even like the big tentpole movies at the time were just sort of like remakes and rehashes. And it was like a lot of things that were just kind of thrown together before the strike deadline slash what can we put together as quickly as possible after it gets resolved. Um, and, and because of that, the, the audience, you know, they're not, they won't be getting the product that ultimately they, that they, they love, that they find comfort in, that they, that they use during the pandemic to help get them through. It's, you know, we, we're, we're not, we're not unaware that this affects everyone, especially in the city. Um, and we don't strike lightly because of that. Like, again, the, 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 the vote to strike passed, but it wasn't because we want to go on strike. It's because we are a union. We are, you know, America is stronger because of unions, no matter what certain politicians want to tell you. It's when we stand together, we are mighty. And that is why I do love this guild uh, because we really do stand by with one another and it's fantastic to have uh, support from uh, the our, our, our sibling guilds here as well uh, because we can't make anything without them either so it's just let's do this together let's let's show the value of what we do as a community and uh, you know give us a fair just give us what we deserve and we will gladly continue making it
Miles, and uh, thank you for being here. We're here in solidarity with you. And, uh, and so what are your top line concerns uh, that need to get resolved that, that lead us to be out here striking right now? The key thing is right now our um, job is basically not becoming sustainable anymore and we need to, to be able to have sustainable careers and we're feeding multi-billion dollar corporations and studios, supplying them with shows that are very profitable and they do not want us to participate in the profits in a way that makes sense for us to sustain living. We're in this labor moment not just here, but all over the country right now with exactly. Starbucks workers exactly. and uh, Amazon workers and uh, people in corporations trying to bust those unions. We're, we're in a fight. And, and oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say you're exactly right. This problem isn't specific to writers. There's various unions in this town. There's various jobs all over this country right now where capitalism is basically destroying how a lot of the people function and our abilities just to make uh, our livelihoods. People have to have two or three jobs now and we don't want to be able to, we don't want to do that. We want to be able to have one job and there's the money exists and we should be able to get the money that we deserve. Folks should be able to have one job, especially when, like you said, the, those at the top are making billions of dollars. Folks who are working in this industry, workers, should be able to have one job and health care and not make choices over, you know, buying food or taking medicine, you know, and have a roof over their head. So thank you for standing up for everybody, and we're with you. Thank you. What do you want to see get done right away so we don't need to be out here on the street and we can be back working? Yeah, I think the number one thing is ensuring... And this, this isn't like a specific line item, but it's like the reason why I feel so passionately about being here right now is that we're in this existential moment in the country where we have to decide our companies are the, who's going to profit from the labor of workers? Is it going to be a couple of, a handful of executives or the people who are actually making the product? And this is a question that's being asked all across the country right now. I feel emphatically that it has to be the workers, whether they're writers or actors or people who work on set or Starbucks baristas or people who work in Amazon work, warehouses. So we're, we're fighting for our, our slice of that pie and we're vicariously trying to fight for everyone else's as well. Um, and what are your hopes for, uh, for right now, in this moment? I mean, I think the big thing when it comes to labor movements of this sort, and certainly here in this town, is a win for us, is a win for everyone. You know, what we're doing out here is talking about dignity, and that is a concept that gives to everybody in the fight. So, you know, in a certain sense, we're out here fighting also for these studio heads who can't let go of that kind of disparity. When people start to be respected, their work will be better. We'll be able to have better, more original stories again. We'll be able to have the kind of robust entertainment economy that's not just the economy of the money flowing, but also the creative economy going again. So this is a fight that's not just for the writers. It's a fight for the audience. It's a fight for the studio heads. It's a fight for this country because this is like TV, Hollywood, and everything like that. It's one of the greatest gifts America has given to the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. That's right, and stand up for each other. Uh, we want to hear from you. Send us an email to uh, hello at howwewinpod.com. That was a little Obama almost. Hello at howwewin.com. <laughs> or tweet to us at howwewinpod. 
at Blues Boy Steve and at Jen and Kona. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. There's always work to do, so we will be back with some more next Wednesday, I hope. Uh, yeah, we will, I think. Yes, <laughs> yeah, of course we will. Bad. Of course. <laughs> Thank you all. MSW.